Well, gang, we finally did it. We caught the fun fiction ghost. Now let's see who you really are. Jeffrey D. Morgan? That's right, it's me, old Jeffrey D. Morgan. I've been doing the spooky spooks all over town. That's wait, right, wait, it's wait, me. This is inscrutable to someone who doesn't listen to this show. Wait a minute, there's another mask. What's on underneath it? It's fun fiction! <laughs> Like Zoinks, man! Welcome to Fun Fiction! I'm your host, Sco- Scotty Shaggy Rogers Moore! <laughs> and I'd do just about anything for a Scooby snack. I'm Megan Danger. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking Scoobert Do this week, which was uh, recommended to us by one of our people on Twitter, and... I believe they really wanted us to focus on Mystery Incorporated from what you which from what you've told me is a buck wild fucking show. Yes, that, that's what people uh, I believe that's what the youths uh, these days are calling the good Scooby Doo. Um, yeah. The one with with all the Lovecraft and and the gay and and the Har- <laughs> the Harlan El- Ellis. What the fuck is his name? Um, the sci fi author. What what wrote? I have no mouth and I must scream. He's in Jesus. it. Jesus. You know, as himself. As as children's <laughs> cartoons are wont to do. <laughs> I mean, it's as Buckwild as I just finally started watching Mike Tyson Mysteries and I didn't know how Buckwild that show was until the first episode where they have to go help uh cormac mccarthy write the ending to a book <laughs> and at the end cormac mccarthy's like a fucking horse it's insane <laughs> yes but that's not a show for chill that's an adult swim show like that's par for the fucking course <laughs> yeah um but yeah we we didn't watch mystery incorporated instead i watched scoob which oh fuck <laughs> i did i like, did not I, watch scoob um i've i've seen every other that's well okay i say that i I said that real casually there's there's 80 different fucking scooby-doo scooby-doo is existed in extant form since forever like the 70s 1969 it debuted jesus fucking christ yeah it's like Power Rangers. They're just like, what variant can we do the on the? Okay, I'm gonna ask you this now. What's the best variation on Scooby Doo? Um, well, I mean, again, haven't seen them all. I know. Oh, oh, god, I don't like. I don't like this expectant look you're giving me. Um, is it? I mean, because it's you. Is the answer going to be the one? Where they ride John Cena's unconscious body down a waterfall. Oh no, <laughs> it's not that. No, dude, a pup named Scooby Doo. Pup named Scooby Doo fucking rules. A pup named Scoo. Okay, wow. Yes. All right, here we go. Here we go. We are less than five minutes into the episode. A pup named Scooby Doo is trash. 
It taught me what a red herring is in media because they made a whole ass character named Red Herring who's just a little ginger fuck who always gets blamed for everything. The animation in a pup named Scooby-Doo is awful. They fought a cheese monster one time, I think. The, the, I don't the, know. The, I think it's the that. character designs are... And, and this is actually... This is a... a in hot contention because they've had so many different character designs and so many of them are very bad but the character designs of a pup named scooby-doo are pretty trash the name of the cheese episode is called wanted cheddar alive how can this be a bad show god i fucking hate children's shows (laughs) (laughs) oh wow i am looking at it right now oh this is a good picture they've stretched it out accidentally and it just makes the gang look massive yeah it's just really this is just early 90s nostalgia for me is why i think i love a pup named scooby-doo Cause like yeah, it's got some iconic villains. It's got this jazz skeleton named Al Cabone. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> there's a ghost named Buster McMutt Mauler. <laughs> fucking hate this. Okay, I gotta get away from a pup named Scooby Doo because we've gotta fucking talk about Scoob because holy shit, this is both the best and worst movie I've ever seen in my life. All right. Well, if, if I get to say what what my favorite thing is, it's um the live action Scooby Doo movie from what two thousand yep. one? Yeah, the, the yeah. one that's too horny. Yes, the one, the, the one that is yeah. yeah a wildly horny. Um, that, that stars me- it, it, it is, but it's so it's perfectly cast. You could oh, not yeah. cast a better live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Fucking Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar and, um, fuck, I always forget her name for Velma. I don't love her any less, but I always forget her goddamn name. Let me look it up. It is Freddie Prince Jr. And I believe they kept, uh, it's, oh, wait, what, they didn't? Sorry, uh, it's Lena Cardellini. As yeah, yeah. Velma Dinkley. And her her and, and Matthew Lillard uh, kept doing the voice acting, too, I think, in a lot of the subsequent cartoons. Yes, Matthew did so good. They're like, you are now Shaggy. And he's even released a video that I was going to watch before this to prep where he teaches you how to do a Shaggy impression, and it's the coolest shit of all time. And he's like, oh, that's yeah, I do it now, but I need to prep the future Shaggies. That's that's really, really cute. Uh, but yeah, that movie is amazing and deeply horny and weird, and they almost get murdered by the brainwashed band Sugar Ray, and also yeah. by Scrappy-Doo, who is piloting Mr. Bean's body... In, in Gundam form. It's so good. <laughs> it's the best fucking movie, and I love it. Yeah, I thought they had kept, uh, I can't remember his, Frank Wilker, I believe, is like the OG Scooby-Doo voice. I thought they kept him for this, but no, apparently it's just this guy named... And they didn't keep anybody for Scoob, I don't think. No, uh, uh, Frank Wilker is still Scoob, which I, I think that's my worst problem is the casting in Scoob because some of, some of it is just uh, right on there like Zach Efron playing Fred yes that fucking works for me 
But then Dynomutt, the dog, wanders in it, and he's voiced by Ken Jong. And I don't know what it is about the character design, but he looks like he's from a different movie. Everyone else <laughs> looks pretty much on point, but he looks like he's supposed to be in a completely different movie. Um, the uh, pictures I saw online that people were very upset about was, like, photorealistic Simon Cowell next to, like, very oh, stylized yes. Scooby-Doo characters. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the more... And uh, I, Mark Wahlberg plays the son of the original Blue Falcon named Brian, which is fucking hilarious. And he does good. The one who I thought would do great, because I love this actor, but it just didn't work, was Will Forte as Shaggy, because he just sounds like Will Forte. You could hear him put a little Shaggy on it every once in a while, but for the most part... That's just Will Forte's voice. That's just MacGruber. <laughs> but yeah, as you're the opening of the film is very sweet. This is a very brave esque movie where I'm like, if you had taken the opening of this film and made it the whole movie, I would not have been mad. But then it were kept there, going. Were they just like small and adorable looking? Yeah, that's, they're that's small, what I adorable. Thought the movie was. I didn't realize that they're like. Ad- I thought they were kids for like the majority of the movie. No. Oh, strap the fuck in. (laughs) So the film begins with uh, how Shaggy and Scooby meet. And it's real sweet, although it's a little bit anachronistic. No, anarch. Anachronistic. Yep. Because uh, I think it's supposed to be in like the 70s or 80s, but Shaggy is listening to a podcast hosted by Ira Glass. And that was the best (laughs) fucking shit of the whole film for me. All right, that's that's pretty fucking funny. Yeah, so he does that and then meets up with Scooby, and then on on Halloween they like, meet like, the like, rest of Mystery Inc. I do, I I no, I'm I'm not gonna let you skip past that. Is it Ira Glass like as Ira Glass? Is, is, I believe I, is, so. is Ira Glass doing like This American Life? Yes, Shaggy listens to This American <laughs> Life and Scooby. It's so good. What the. F- that right? seems wildly out of character. Yeah. Well, the joke, it's its literally verbatim the same joke from Zootopia. Like, you know the joke where she's away from her family and every song on the radio is like, I'm lonely. Right. So, and then skips it and then it's all about, it's that exact same fucking joke. And the, the only up, up the ante they put on it is Ira Glass ends it by hosting a podcast saying... This is Ira Glass. Friends, who needs them? Probably you. It's important to have friends. And that's when Shaggy's like, I guess I'll be friends with Scooby. Then they come, meet come on. With, yeah. You gotta do a better, you gotta be able to do a better Ira Glass. I'm not that familiar with Ira Glass. Oh, oh, come on. I think this is the most I've ever heard Ira Glass. Oh, you call yourself fucking podcaster. It's like, hello, I'm Ira Glass, and this is this is this American life today. Scooby Doo, do you know him? Where are you? Do you yeah, where, <laughs> where, where are you? We sent out our reporters uh, all across the country and all walks of life to find Scooby Doo, and then you get a, then you get one of the reporters, and then that's where like all of the the criticism about like vocal fry is oh, yeah. every single journalist on This American Life has, like, wild amount of vocal fry. 
Oh, that sucks. I hate that. Yeah, or they're just like, I then went and interviewed uh, someone else who see what their story was about (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Always comes back to Scoob. Um, But we do need to... I'm done. I'm done. We gotta get into this because it is the best joke (laughs) of the entire film and it happens five minutes in when Shaggy meets with Fred, Velma, and Daphne on Halloween and Fred is like a knight, I think. I can't remember exactly who Fred is. Daphne is dressed as Wonder Woman and fucking Velma is dressed as Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's so fucking choice. And the best part of it is Shaggy looks at her and goes, are you some sort of wizard? No, I'm Ruth Bader, Bader Ginsburg. Oh, is she a Hufflepuff? No, no, she's a Supreme Court. She's a Supreme Court justice. And then Shaggy pauses and goes, Mm, Slytherin. And then the movie keeps going, but I'm like, you ain't gonna top that film. You're not gonna top that. So then they go solve a crime in a haunted house together, and that's what leads to them making Mystery Inc. And we get a nice montage that's. Motherfucker. All right. Uh, we get a montage that's literally the old Scooby-Doo intro, but with these characters. And the whole plot of the film is Simon Cowell wants to give them money, but he feels like Shaggy and Scooby honestly don't need to be part of the group because they're fuck-ups, which they're kind of right. Yeah. And so the film is about Shaggy and Scooby trying... And this is the thing, like... Simon Cowell, how is he still relevant enough to marry... I don't know! Like, who the fuck... No, no, like, who is this movie being marketed at who's gonna know who Simon... Like, we know who Simon Cowell is, but also... Hold on. Wait, wait, Meg, if you think Simon Cowell is the most aged reference in this film, buckle the fuck up! Because it gets worse. So, um, also, in a Scooby-Doo film, you would think you want Mystery Inc. together the whole time solving crimes and having fun. Uh, No, about 10% of this film, you get to see all five of the gang together. It sucks. Well, I mean, a big part of every episode is, hey, let's split up, Let's split up, gang. Yeah, but this is not, <laughs> this ain't, okay, when he says that, they go into different rooms, not into outer fucking space. Hello? I, <laughs> so, fuck. So the film continues, Shaggy and Scooby are depressed, so they go bowling. That infamous thing Shaggy and Scooby love to do, <laughs> bowl, they go do that. Well, and while we, bowling... We can't show them do the other thing that they would probably do if they were sad. <laughs> so Shaggy and Scooby go bowling, and at one point Scooby looks at the pins, and one of the pins opens, and red light shines out, and then it turns into a robot scorpion that tries to kill him with chainsaws. I'm Uh, not lying. (laughs) Um, They chase the rope. The robot scorpions chase them to chase them out into like an alleyway. There is a fun part where they make them sandwiches, but they're out of onions. So they get mad again and turn back into evil scorpions. They chase them out. And then a tractor beam from space 
sucks up Shaggy and Scooby into actual fucking space. (laughs) (laughs) And I could give you 50 guesses where they go to, but you won't get it right because they go to famed Hanna-Barbera superhero Blue Falcon spaceship. <laughs> and so as I talked about earlier, Blue Falcon is retired and the new Blue Falcon is uh Brian voiced by Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> and they explain that Dick Dastardly real good reference for the kiddos there. Mm, that's that was that's like like the w- wacky racers. Yup. And that's a reach for me. Yup. <laughs> They explain that Dick Dastardly is trying to get the three heads of fame Keeper of the Underground Cerberus (laughs) He's getting their heads but also he needs Scooby-Doo for some reason So that's the film The film is... (laughs) Them fighting Dick Dastardly to try to stop him from getting the three heads of Cerberus. But Scooby's involved for some reason. And uh, I'll tell you why right now. It's because Scooby is the last fucking descendant of the dog of fucking, um, oh shit, what's his name? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great's dog. He is the last known, like, survivor of that family. so here's the thing alexander the great opened a door to the underworld and he met he and his dog went through it and the only (laughs) and the only way to seal the door or open it is to bring the three heads of cerberus together and then have one of them open the doorway i know all right, all so, right, okay, okay, wait, wait, no, 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 don't sew, don't, don't you dare fucking sew, um, okay, wait, okay, wait, yes, okay, so Dick, Dick Dastardly, <laughs> yes, the, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon character who drive who drives, who races car with the dog that goes like, <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, hold on. If I may, why do you think Dick Dastardly is trying to open a door to the underworld? That was going to be the question. I was going to say, why does the man who I know from cartoons, his his thing, his only thing is I race car in a mean way. Why does he want to open a door to literal actual hell, Scotty? <laughs> it's shockingly dumber than anything you could possibly come up with. Because apparently the underworld is filled with gold and riches. I believe the riches of Alexander the Great, according to the film. And um, So Alexander the Great opened a door to hell to hide his gold there. Yeah, but it gets worse. Because that's not why Dick Dastardly wants to go. Dick Dastardly wants to go because he's already opened the portal once, sent Muttley through, and Muttley couldn't return. <laughs> so now he's trying to rescue his dog from literal Christian hell. 
<laughs> oh my fucking god. So film continues on that turns out the scorpion robots are actually pretty cute in their normal form. They're called the rottens. Um and they you finally can't just breeze past this. Yeah. Shaggy, Scooby. It's or actually wait, no, it's Shaggy Scooby. It's me, Mark Wahlberg. How's your mother? We gotta go <laughs> stop Dick Dastardly. He's trying to rescue his dog from hell. There's gold there. <laughs> Simon Cowell's here. This movie's for kids. <laughs> so at that point, uh, Finally, their last one, their last skull they have to find is on a place called Messick Mountain, uh, a reference to one of the creators of Scooby-Doo, or maybe voice actors, I can't remember. And when they get there, they go underground to a Mesozoic island where they find Cap- Captain fucking Caveman, voiced Are you by fucking- Tracy Morgan. What? No! No! And I was sitting there like, because all I remember of Captain Caveman, of course, is Captain Caveman. That's the I don't only remember. Thing I could, that, that's the only thing I could tell you yeah. as well. That, that, I don't that, remember <laughs> him speaking. And if he did, I don't remember him speaking perfect English through the voice of Tracy Morgan. Because he's not like Captain Caveman. He's not like that. He's just like, what's up, everybody? It's me, Captain Caveman. You want to get this third dog skull? I'm going to hang out get everybody pregnant. Like, he fucking <laughs> calm Liz down. Lemon, what's up? <laughs> what's up, Liz Lemon? Um, so they go there, and then fucking Mark Wahlberg has to fight Captain Caveman. Who is this movie for? <laughs> do they still no. do they solve a mystery <laughs> at any point? Does the what the fuck are Fred, Daphne, and Velma doing? They're hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to find them. Like they they are aware of the fact that Shaggy and Scooby have been taken. They're just trying to... Like, at one point, they get kidnapped by Dick Dastardly, then they escape, and then they find Shaggy and Scooby, and then it's revealed that Fred isn't Fred, he's Dick Dastardly in disguise, and then they steal Scooby, and then they go to fucking Athens. And I... I I really thought you were gonna say hell. (laughs) No, I have a literal theory that this film was supposed to be based fully in Christianity, and at one point Dick Dastardly does destroy the Vatican. Like, I was very positive that this film was gonna end with Dick Dastardly blowing up the Pope. (laughs) This fucking Scooby-Doo, like, fucking Dan Brown's (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Dan Brown's Scooby-Doo! And so... They get to Athens and fucking, oh, fuck. Dick Dastardly forces Scooby to open a portal to hell, which unleashes Cerberus. (laughs) And the minute Cerberus steps out, I swear to God, Dick Dastardly looks up and basically says, oh, no, I didn't know this would happen. Like, as if this wasn't his plan the whole time. He just immediately does a complete babyface turn of, no, I, oh, I fucked up. I really <laughs> fucked up, y'all. That's a, that's a hell dog. Oh, fuck. That can- um, and so he goes to hell and he reunites with Muttley. Meanwhile, our squad is left to fight 
the three-headed keeper of Satan's pit himself, Cerberus. <laughs> and at one point, the best, second best moment of the film, Cerberus blows up the mystery mobile. Fred gets fucking furious, puts the hubcap from the back of the mystery machine on his arm like Captain America oh and rushes. God. He fucking puts on war paint, rushes towards Cerberus, who just gently kicks him and he flies into the side of an Athenian building. Oh my fucking god. And so then, they finally get Cerberus off of his game, they throw him back into the hell, and there's a inscription written in Roman, I guess, which Velma knows how to read somehow, and it reveals that the way to lock the door, you need both... Uh, a dog and his friend is essentially <laughs> what it comes down to. Because I was, I, I thought they were going to be like Shaggy is a descendant of Alexander the Great, and that's when I was going to be like, "Film, you're pushing it." But no, they're like <laughs> a dog and his friend can close the door. But here's the thing: one of them has to be on the other side of the door, which leads to Shaggy sacrificing himself and. <laughs> Going to literal Christian hell, locking himself inside. Zoing scoop, I guess I'm damning myself for all eternity. Which, I, I believe uh, the McElroys also covered this fucking shit show of a movie, and during it they go, I'm not gonna try to be mean, but Scooby's only got a couple years <laughs> left in him at this point, right? Like, come on. Great Danes, you know... Like, they don't live very long, uh, generally speaking. (laughs) So then, uh, because this is a kid's film, they're like, oh, no, Shaggy's been locked in hell. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a statue of fucking Alexander the Great, and it says, nah, you cool, and then Shaggy comes out of it. <laughs> because so, reasons. Oh, it was a test or what? Um, also, dastardly and Muttley steal Alexander the Great's treasure from hell, returns to Earth, and then all of the robots turn on them and they get arrested. Sure. So why, that's why the scoop. Fuck not? <laughs> that's fucking scoop. <laughs> I'm going through to see if there's like anything else I'm really missing from how buck wild this film was. The, the, um, there could be more. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, the it's very clever because it's not got an end credit scene. It's got end credit pictures. Like you know, at the end of a film like this, it's got like freeze frame of Shaggy and it's 3D spinning around him. Right. They do that, except then you start to see. Blue Falcon's crew recruit Grape Ape, fucking recruit Jabberjaw, all these characters, Adam Ant, like all these people that the kids are definitely gonna know. Oh, Meanwhile, yeah. the, the, the kids go horny for Jabberjaw. Yeah, they go to the Johnny Quest family. Like, I'm like, no, who is this for? This is not for us kids. <laughs> So that's Scoop. <laughs> wow. Fuck. I, like, as I was watching it, I said, this is fan fiction. This is their, firstly, it's their attempt at a, I guess, building the Scooby-Doo cinematic universe. <laughs> or I guess the, the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait for the Tracy Morgan Captain Caveman film. It's me, Captain Caveman. Who is that for? Who is out there <laughs> fucking clamoring for the... Like, who was sitting in the, the metaphorical theater when they envisioned this? Like, who would be, like, fucking cheering, like, Oh, fuck, it's Captain Caveman! They fucking did it! <laughs> it's fucking happening, mate! Look at him! He's on screen, he's all hairy! <laughs> oh, I didn't realize Didi was an actual character from uh, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. What the fuck? The the hoops? God, there's just like that. That's a character I didn't even. I thought they just put in a new character because they were like, it's not enough. No, apparently, even Dee Dee, who's uh, Blue Falcon's second, basically, is a fucking character from one of these old shows. See, my only context for for Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt was wasn't a version of them in like Dexter's Lab. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I know Dynomutt. I don't know Blue Falcon that well, surprisingly. Like, Dynomutt's the one I remember. Um, but yeah, that... Like, fuck. Fuck, dude. I just remember watching it and going, this is a good movie. This is a bad movie. This is a great movie. <laughs> like, that's where I went. <laughs> the minute Fred put on face paint and was like, I am Fred, destroyer of worlds, come at me, Cerberus. I was like, you know what? No, fuck it. This movie's good. Oh, uh, but now, as always, we must do fun fiction. We must do fan fiction. And it took me a while. Like, you you earlier said this is another DuckTales debacle of there are no worlds left to conquer. It's it's true. They, they've hung out with wrestlers. They've, 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 well, they've hung out with pretty much everybody. There's the, um... What is it? There's a the screen cap that gets passed around all the time where it's like, "Hey gang, meet my uncle Bobby Flay." Um, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, even in the seventies where it's like, "Oh yeah, uh, Scooby Doo meet the fucking Wolfman," but also Abbott and Costello, but also the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they had a whole show that that was it. It was just every week a new celebrity would come on and solve crimes. But for my fan fiction, I decided since I couldn't expand their universe, I would use Scooby-Doo to expand a universe I've already created. That's right, motherfucker. I'm starting a cinematic universe, which I used to do on the old fan fiction a lot. But it just didn't stick, especially when I built a group of, like, Avengers, but they were led by Stan Lee. And then I went, oh, no, <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> so, um, if you will in indulge me, let's get into my story where we return to the Blues Institute. I knew it. I knew you were going to fucking Magnus Archives it. Fuck they yeah, dog. <laughs> I'm building the dog extended universe. <laughs> the cinematic dog universe. That's a right. uh. damn. Now I'm going to regret that I didn't do a weird neo noir thing. But no, no, that would have <laughs> been that would have been bad. Blue, blue, and uh, Scooby can't have sexual chemistry. Blue's a child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except I did have blue drink alcohol <laughs> and <laughs> shoot a gun. <laughs> Well, kids can do that. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's fine. Kids can drink right. scotch and shoot guns. <laughs> <laughs> Mine does. 
Let me turn up the gain. Let's get this real juicy and crispy on here. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what you do, because Grimdark Scooby-Doo is a thing that the, the fan fiction community definitely likes to do. They're, they're, they're fans of, what if Scooby-Doo but fucked up? What, if, what yeah. if they're solving real murders? What if Scooby-Doo had to solve a serial killer? So I'm, I'm excited to see I mean, what I feel you do. like that's kind of where Mystery Incorporated came from, was this concept of what if what they're solving isn't a guy in a mask? Like, what if it's real shit? But that's that was like, what if supernatural is real? Which they've done, which was, you know, that was where it was like, that was the big thing around. Um, I remember when Scooby Doo Zombie Island uh, came out, was the big tagline was, this time the monsters are real. The, yeah. the fan fiction one is like, usually it's not monsters, it's like, what if Scooby Doo, but it's, it's Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit. Raggy? (laughs) 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 Fucking Scooby Doo figuring out where Jumpinate Ramsey's killer is. (laughs) You you brought up another another fucking crossover that would have been perfect, but it already been done in real life because Supernatural did cross over with Scooby Doo. Wait, what? Yeah, there's a Supernatural episode where I believe Gabriel, the angel, but he's also the god of mischief, Loki, because Supernatural's fucked up. I believe he puts them in the Scooby-Doo universe. Is the plot of that one? Like, is it... I've not is seen it. Is it animated, it. or...? Uh, it's, well, it's called Scooby-Natural. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this is what happens when a show runs for, like, 15 fucking years. Yeah, exactly. Um... Wait, what the fuck? From what I'm reading in this description, apparently there's not really much of an explanation for why why they get sucked into Scooby Doo. They're just like, fuck it, why not? This show's, <laughs> been, <laughs> this show's been running for 15 years. They're just Scooby Doo now. <laughs> All right, let's let's Magnus this. Statement of Norville Rogers regarding his time with Abomination 6970s SD in relationship to the disappearance of Mystery Incorporated. Statement given April 24th, 1979. Audio recording by Steve Burns, head archivist of the Blues Institute, Philadelphia. Statement begins. I've been having trouble sleeping lately. Well, I say lately, but in all honesty, it's been happening my entire life. Started when I was four years old. My father was in the military, and he enjoyed telling me exaggerated stories of his adventures. One such story he told me about his encounter with an old sea captain named Cutler. He went on and on about his interactions with this figure in a glowing diving suit who he claimed would haunt up and down the beaches near where he was stationed. His big punchline to end the story was that Captain Cutler died thirty years prior. I know, nothing particularly engaging about the story, pretty basic campfire fare, but as a child, I was enraptured, perhaps a little too so, as every night I would see that figure of a glowing green shape in a diving suit walking up and down the street outside of my window. I would jump and realize I had merely been asleep. Things only worsened from there, as every story my father told me would end up in my dreams. He would tell me tales of the creeper, the black knight ghost, and more. And every night, there they would be, 
and my dreams. That all changed when I was ten. My parents finally started to worry about me. I'd come down to breakfast with dark circles around my eyes. Even my father began to hold his stories back, no matter how much I begged to hear them. They finally took me to a psychiatrist. He merely diagnosed me with an overactive imagination and told my parents to find something positive to put my attention towards. They responded by getting me a small dog. They looked at me and told me to focus on feeding him, cleaning him, taking care of him. I initially debunked the doctor's claims, knowing that a dog couldn't stop what was happening in my mind, but I'll be damned if the first night with that dog at the foot of my bed, I, I, I slept like I hadn't in years. There were no ghouls or ghosts to be found, just peaceful rest. I woke up and immediately grabbed the dog in an embrace, causing him to lick my face repeatedly. From that moment on, we were inseparable. No matter what horrors came my way, I knew that he would protect me. I ended up naming him Scooby after my favorite breakfast cereal, and we grew up together. Every inch of the way, if I went somewhere, Scooby wouldn't be far behind. I even brought him with me to college, which is where where things began to go wrong. One night, Scooby and I were walking along the beach alone. We had tried talking to a group of fellow collegiates laying out on the sand, but they quickly dismissed us as nothing more than a burnout in his mutt. I finished off the penultimate Scooby snack before tossing the final one to Scoob and throwing the box in the garbage can, and, and then I, I saw it. In the ocean, a familiar green glow that caused everyone on the beach to react with surprise, but myself with horror. I knew that green glow, and as I saw the head of his diving bell crest over the water, I knew Captain Cutler was here. I tried to yell at the other teenagers, but they merely laughed at me, and the captain was coming straight for them. I had seen enough horror movies to know what happened next. I didn't need to stick around for it. I grabbed Scooby by the leash and I ran with everything I had. I ran until that bright green glow of Captain Cutler was merely a distant memory. I rushed into my dorm room and slammed the door and began searching for help. I called the police and they immediately mocked me. I called 911, they hung up on me, when finally I saw the newspaper next to my phone. It had an ad, small ad in the bottom corner which read, Mystery Incorporated. They specialized in paranormal cases and debunking spectral events. I called them once again expecting to be hung up on, but they listened. They hung on every word I said and then told me to go back to the beach and that they would be there waiting for me. So, despite every ounce of my body telling me no, despite Scoob refusing to follow along on his leash, we finally ended up returning to that beach. And waiting there were three individuals who I would eventually come to know as my best friends. Velma, a young Latina girl with dark hair and bright orange turtleneck, Daphne, a redhead who clearly was trying too hard, and Fred, a tall, muscular blonde with an orange ascot that was out of date even for the time period. They asked me to show them where Captain Cutler emerged, and I showed them. I led them directly to his tracks and pointed them out. Velma quickly began staring down at them and following those tracks to a nearby shipyard. They were dismissing it as merely a man disguised, but I know what I saw. I know who I saw. Captain Cutler, glowing green and looking exactly as my father described. I knew that these three skeptics would not fare well against a real... Well... It feels foolish to say, but a real g g g ghost. <laughs> so 
So I followed them into the shipyard, and I quickly realized that these three were just like me. They were not prepared for what they were going to find. Daphne was continuously following in holes. Fred was telling us all to split up, and Velma kept losing her glasses every step of the way. Needless to say, Scooby and I didn't fare well either. Being separated away from the group, our anxiety both was shooting through the roof, but eventually I, I, I saw it. A bright, glowing green coming from within a shipping container. The sounds of metal scraping against the inside, sparks flying. We attempted to sneak closer, but a stray tree branch on the ground gave our position away, and there, there he was. Captain Cutler staring at us through the cold, inky darkness of his helmet, and he rushed towards us, holding the metal glove of his diving suit high in the air. We ran with everything we had. We rushed throughout the shipyard with this demonic entity following directly on our heels, but eventually we saw it. A trap laid by Fred. We knew what we had to do, and we rushed towards it with everything we had, but as we stepped into the net, we found ourselves entangled within its web as Captain Cutler continued to chase after us. I looked over and saw Velma fumbling with her glasses, putting them back on and looking up at us, realizing she had captured the wrong party. We stared back down at Cutler with fear in our eyes and continued to watch as his momentum carried him forward past us and directly into a shipping container, his metal helmet cracking against it and sending him flying to the earth, the green glow of his suit flickering away to darkness. As he attempted to stand, Fred rushed over and placed zip ties around his wrists, restraining him, and I watched as Fred unmasked that demonic sea captain to reveal a normal man. He was running a scam, stealing from the shipping containers under the guise of the evil Captain Cutler, a monster from an old wives' tale. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Everything that I had been told, everything I had believed was a lie. It was just some sad old man desperate for cash. After our adventure together, Mr. Ink invited me to join them, so I accepted. I figured eventually I would find some vindication, some truth to everything I had ever believed, but no... Every time was the same story. A sad old man seeking some victory or some control in his life by dressing up as a madman. I think that was the biggest difference between me and the rest of them. Every unmasking they celebrated. They celebrated as a mentally ill, lonely man was carried off into a van. They even kept tally of every catch they made. I mean, they called themselves paranormal investigators, but they weren't. They weren't seeking truth. In fact, if anything, they were seeking to destroy truth. I needed to vindicate myself, and they wouldn't let me. They were devil's advocates constantly claiming to just be asking questions as they mocked me for my stories from childhood. The worst of it all came one night after a big capture. A man dressed as the Black Knight was causing chaos at a nearby museum, and we took him down with our patented technique of not knowing what we were doing. We unmasked him, and sure enough, it was Jeremiah Wickles, an old businessman who was just trying to get back some paintings that he had given to the museum in his youth. I mean, he was deranged, but I couldn't help but notice how grim the smiles of the gang were as they watched him get taken away. So, afterwards, we were celebrating, which I say with heavy quotation marks, and we all had a bit too much to drink, or smoke in my case, Fred had gotten enough liquid courage in him to begin bragging about all of the quote-unquote villains we had captured over the years. 
It was bizarre, watching a young, strong, virile 23-year-old man brag about defeating all of these octogenarians like it was a difficult task. Eventually, I became irritated by it and called him out. He seemed to take offense to that and yelled at me. And perhaps the things he was yelling were true. Perhaps I was a coward. Perhaps I was a bit too quick to believe in the paranormal. Perhaps I was a fool. But after a while, I couldn't focus on his alcoholic breath spraying vitriol towards my face. I could only focus on Scooby. He was... growling. Never in our 13-year relationship had I heard him growl, but he was now, and as Fred reached out for me, Scooby leapt up and bit him by the arm. This was not an ordinary bite, either he drew blood. I immediately grabbed him by the collar and rushed out of Mystery Incorporated back to our flat. I tried my best to get him to calm down, but he kept that firm growl going throughout the entire night. Every hour, I would wake up and I would hear that slow, rumbling growl permeating throughout our room. Even with a pillow muffling my ears, it would still find its way to pierce through. It wasn't until around 3am that he finally managed to stop and fall asleep. But I couldn't rest. Something felt wrong. There was a thickness in the air left by that growl and I couldn't ignore it. And unfortunately, I realized what that thickness was the following morning. When I got a call from Daphne, she was weeping. Her every breath hung in the air before she finally told me I needed to get back to Mr. Yink. And as I drove by a nearby street, I saw Fred's car. Well, what was left of Fred's car. It was wrapped around a telephone pole and surrounded by police cars and ambulances. I mean, I knew he was drunk the night before, but Fred had always been a good driver. I immediately rushed over and saw Fred's body being loaded onto the ambulance. The thing that struck me about it, though, wasn't the lacerations. It wasn't the mangled state of his figure. It was how insanely wet it was. The sheet that the paramedics covered him in was completely soaked, dripping water onto the earth below it. I rushed over to Daphne, tears in her eyes, looking over at Velma, who was inspecting the scene for any wrongdoing, and... I asked what happened. They had no idea. They all left before Fred. He said he had some work to finish up and then he would be away. That was around 2.30 in the morning. Police reports put the time of death around 3. I knew what had happened. I walked over by Velma in the ground all but confirmed my suspicions as on the pavement were the familiar footprints of a diving suit. A faint green glow coming from around them. I tried to point them out to Velma but... She screamed at me, claiming that this wasn't time for my paranoia and anxiety, and this this caused Scooby to be in growling again. And I pulled out some snacks, trying to calm him down, but once again the growling wouldn't cease. The growling would not stop. It just kept growing louder and louder, and, and they found Velma's body later that day, impaled through the chest by a pickaxe with the name Minor 49er written down the side. I remember my father telling me the story of the Minor, and now all of these stories were coming back against me, but how? I remember laying in bed that night, staring at the ceiling, and trying to understand, trying to figure out what was going on when I heard two people screaming at each other outside. I couldn't focus, I couldn't concentrate, so I rushed out the window and screamed for them to be quiet. 
and they merely treated me to a flurry of expletives. So I slowly closed the window and I heard it. Scooby, beginning to growl once again. That slow, groaning, unrelenting growl. And with nervous eyes, I stared back out the window and I saw him. The creeper, tall, olive-skinned, and muscular, limping towards those two men with a humpback. They tried yelling at him, but it was too late. I watched as he ripped them apart limb by limb, exploding blood and viscera onto the streets below, and as the last bit of gore fell to the earth, Scooby's growling stopped. No matter what horrors came my way, I knew Scooby would protect me. This thought went from a comforting one to one of horror in just one short hour, and the worst part was this was my fault. I don't know how, but my nightmares became his tools. They became his minions, and every night I went to sleep, he gained more ammo. I haven't slept since. I cannot let another death fall upon my head. You need to understand me. I never wanted this. I never wanted any of... Any of this. I'm... I'm sorry, if you'll forgive me, I... I need to go. I... I hear him growling, and... I think that means he knows where I am. I'm sorry. Statement ends. Well, while this statement from Mr. Rogers certainly seems interesting, it seems to be a case of what happens when you mix a hyperactive imagination with a malfunctioning mind and too much self-medication. In fact, during a follow-up interview with Norval, he admitted he began self-medicating with marijuana in 1973, the very same year as his self-proclaimed incident with Captain Cutler on the beach. What is unfortunately true about the stories involve the deaths. Fred Jones and Velma Dinkley were both, unfortunately, found deceased on the same day in 1978. The two men on the street, however, remain unidentified. In the best-case scenario, these deaths were all horribly coincidental. At worst case, Norval Rogers is a much more dangerous individual than we had originally understood. We've sent several agents to follow up with Norval, but none have reported back, with the exception of one man whose last report indicates that upon nearing the home of Norval Rogers, his ears were filled with the sound of a low, rumbling growl. Recording ends. I'd made, I've made sure to mute. Didn't want to fuck you up there. <laughs> oh, I saw you. I, do, I saw you do a bunch of good laughs during it. <laughs> I was worried you were gonna like give yourself a panic attack. <laughs> no, dude, that's called acting. That's called yeah, voice yes, acting. Yes, I know, but like your whole body was shaking. I thought you were going method. <laughs> <laughs> No, my favorite moment of it is is was the moment where I did ride in the ghost. Oh, that was just funny. <laughs> and then I, I immediately realized that you were muted because your head was down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the second story in the Blues Institute cinematic universe. <laughs> the the haunted uh, the haunted dog universe. No, that was real good. Yeah, um, that was. Like he's he's a nightmare demon. <laughs> uh, 
what we were just talking about with all the different ways that people like to take uh, what if Scooby-Doo but fucked up. I feel like that's one that has not been explored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Because <laughs> um, I think we, like, they I definitely have, like, done, like, Scoo- Scooby-Doo eldritch creature because... That is a dog, and it is saying people words, but definitely not in that specific way. Oh, I I did originally have in a line where uh, Shaggy couldn't go to sleep because he was, like, getting nervous, and then he would look at Scooby and be like, I swear for a moment I heard him say, Rut's wrong, Raggy. I know it sounds insane. Everything's going to be okay now, Raggy. <laughs> now wait, that sounds more like Pennywise, which is a completely separate but also valid way to take Scooby-Doo. <laughs> we all wrote down here, Raggy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, oh. I can't do voices. <laughs> <laughs> all right, where are we going now? What, what, what... What bullshit have you come up with? So, it's interesting, kind of, where you went with, um, about how that the gang kind of claims to be paranormal investigators, but pretty much all they do is just tear masks off of, uh, old dudes, old dudes committing crimes. Yeah. That was kind of what I was thinking about, um, that... That could be an angle that sort of worked more because, per usual, I don't really have a story. I have a concept. <laughs> That's fine. I got thoughts. <laughs> That's what I do. I show up to this podcast and I go, you know, Scotty, I've been thinking. <laughs> My name's Ira Glass. I've got thoughts on <laughs> Scooby Doo. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this American fun fiction, Scooby Doo. Welcome <laughs> to this American do. <laughs> um. First off, I think it would be cool if, like, they, because in, like, the original cartoon, um, they don't really have, like, a stable, like, home base or any kind of thing. Like, that's something that really is only addressed in, like, later incarnations, that they're in Coolsville, baby. Um, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like a like a, a an actual base. Like cuz I I I watched the beginning of Monsters Unleashed the other day and they have the most high-tech <laughs> over the top <laughs> bullshit base. Meanwhile in I mean, Scoob the base in Scoob the base they get at the end of the film, I shit you not, is just looks like a restaurant on Venice Beach. <laughs> just like a small hot dog shop. That's amazing. Um but what more specifically what I was thinking about is the fact that it's like each episode just opens that they're just like driving out in the middle of like bumfuck nowhere. Um, yeah. And I think that would be like a cool thing to explore like purposefully that it's like they're just like way they're literally just wayward teens traveling the country in their fucking van out to like right wrongs that instead of uh actually living in any kind of city they were just like roaming the country in like search of like weird paranormal bullshit but like you were saying every time they think they found something where it's like i don't know which one of them would be the one who would like want to 
find something because obviously it's not Shaggy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, every time they think they finally like, this is it. This is like the weird supernatural thing that we've been looking for. Nah, it's just some dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I've looked up Coolsville. Firstly, there is a literal town in Ohio called Coolville, which is fucking great. Do you it's know close. what show introduced Coolsville, Coolsville to the to the canon? <laughs> Hello, I live in Coolsville. <laughs> Hello, my name is Coolsville Rick. I live in Coolsville. I like to eat cheeseburgers in Coolsville. <laughs> <laughs> you did cheeseburger in Coolsville. Uh, uh, yeah. No, which which one? motherfucking pup named Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it fucking would. That surprises <laughs> me. Not at all. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, what? shit. They made another live action series. I forgot about that. And apparently in that one, the only... I'm on the history of that version of Coolsville. It's in Erie County, Ohio. Its motto is a cool place to live. And the history <laughs> of it just says, a flood at the turn of the century killed everyone <laughs> and a new town was built over it holy shit okay that's that's actually really fucking great um <laughs> but yeah so i i just like this idea of just like these four like disheveled just socially weird teenagers who don't really belong to anyone in this van with their fucking dog just being like, we hunt ghosts. We trust no adults because they all turn out to be fucking evil. <laughs> Every time we think we found a ghost, it's just an evil adult. It's just an <laughs> evil adult trying to, like, steal land or something. <laughs> that was my favorite activity as a kid, by the way, was watching and going... Which one of these motherfuckers did it? Well, he's really spooky, so it's definitely not him. Exactly. Who seems the least likely to have done it? It's him. That's the <laughs> one that did it. I'd be a shitty detective, because I'd be like, who's the least likely to have done this? The other detective! Arrest this man! Aha! <laughs> so yeah, I want like a more feral uh, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Just a just a weird uh, un unsocialized gang of homeless teens living in a van with their dog. Uh, so you want like a the New Mutants Scooby Doo? <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> and yeah, just uh, making making bad men pay, but also just being wildly frustrated that they're not ghosts. Basically, I want a gang of kids that are, like, the perfect distillation of both uh, Ryan Bergara and Shane Midday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, gosh, Shaggy would be Orion, <laughs> Daphne would be Orion, and I think Fred and Velma would be the two Shanes. Yeah. That just, like, not giving a fuck, uh, desperately wanting there to be ghosts, but also just, um being wildly chaotic and vaguely pissed off all the time. Ruts rup, Rose. Rizby. <laughs> Rubboy. <laughs> Actually, no, I want that one where all of them are Ryans except for Scooby. Scooby and, and Shane Bidet. <laughs> yeah. 
Rob Ranson on your ridge rope, man. Rob Ranson on your ridge. <laughs> Rob Ranson rope, man. <laughs> oh, I, oh, fuck. Shit. Because um, I have a... I kind of want a... And I guess it's because I just watched Doom Patrol a lot. But I kind of want like a Doom Patrol version where they do have one adult they trust. Like they're Zordon. But they're just, like, five disheveled children who got, like, picked out of an orphanage for their special abilities to hunt ghosts. Ooh, that would be really good, too. I don't... Who would the fucking Zordon be of Scooby-Doo? I don't know, but he's played by Tim Curry. He would... (laughs) Greetings, my children. Go hunt these ghosts. Hello, Mystery Inc. We're going to get catch a back. ghost today. Oh, no, no. He would only come through, like, the fucking uh, speaker on yes. the mystery machine. Like, that's yes. the only time you would hear him. Absolutely. What's up, Chief? Well, there's a man dressed as a black knight in the next <laughs> town. And the biggest twist of the whole series, there's he's a ghost. Kind of fucked up frankenstein <laughs> maybe you can go check it out yeah it turns I out he's been he dead swear. the whole time yeah, he's, oh, he, yeah. Does, he just casually swears he's the only real ghost the whole the whole oh, show yeah like he possesses the mystery machine that's the whole vibe of it yep and yeah it turns out he was the only real ghost the whole show What's the scoop, Chief? I don't fucking know. There's some sort of shitty-ass werewolf biting off legs in the next town. (laughs) Jinkies! Jeepers, Chief. Oh, God, that reminds me of, um, have you ever listened to Dan Cummins do stand-up? Um, I don't think so. He has a bit where he's talking about the fact that he lets his son watch Scooby-Doo too much, and the way he realized that is his kid walks around and is just like, Jeepers, Dad, it's pretty spooky in here. And he goes, I'm just gonna let him watch a few episodes of The Sopranos to even him out. So he just walks into places like, Jinkies, Dad, what the fuck's going on in here? <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh, shit. Well, we did it. We fixed Scoob. Yeah. Kind of. Sure. I don't know. Uh, Do you have more? Do you have more stank to put on top of your your five nasty kids in a van? No, no. I I love all five of my nasty van children. (laughs) (laughs) One of them's a dog, but we don't judge him. We don't judge him for that. No, he's great. Um, No, I I don't think Scooby-Doo really needed fixing. I don't think Scoob yeah. could be fixed. I just think I did, we, like, we added to the the beautiful tapestry that is Scooby-Doo. I do enjoy, like, in Scoob, they made Velma Latina, which is nice to have some representation on this team. I do feel bad for Velma, though, as she is the only one, apparently, that anyone tries to put diversity on. They're like, Daphne, no, she's white. Fred, white as fuck. Shaggy, white. Daphne, lesbian, Latina, whatever the fuck we can throw, put it on Velma. That's true, because, yeah, she's she's the one they gayed up in Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, because isn't... What's the name of her girlfriend? Hot, hot Dog Water. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good name! I mean, I, I 
she has a real name they give her eventually, but for a, I don't remember what the fuck it is, but for a while she is just hot dog water. Well, that's the weird thing is Velma's nickname is Chocolate Starfish. They're really into Limp Bizkit. <laughs> um, God, that's buck wild. Well, I, I don't know. No one's ever really delved into the character of Scooby. Maybe Scooby's the diversity that we've been looking for this whole time. Maybe. Rum, 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 Okay, Scoob. <laughs> right, pronouns are Ray Ray. <laughs> Ray Rim. <laughs> okay, thank you, Scooby. <laughs> Scooby. <laughs> Rhyme a rimber of Rantifa. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby New confirmed member of Antifa. <laughs> There's a bumper sticker on the back of the mystery machine. This machine kills fascists. <laughs> <laughs> like soink scoop. <laughs> oh shit. Alright, we fixed Scooby Doo. What are we doing next week? I think it's your pick. It is Because I pick. gave the audience their their pick. Yeah. We'll just then yeah, um that I, we'll just say it's mine. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, by the way, big thanks to, I believe it was Nerd Shrimp, shrimp ner, fuck, Nerd Shrimp 1 who sent in Scooby-Doo. Big thanks. If anyone wants to send in their own recommendations for episode ideas, you can do it. Just fuck, fuck us up on Twitter. Just fuck <laughs> just, us just up on Twitter. fuck us up. <laughs> <laughs> you really can't, you, you are the hair's, razor's breath, hair's edge, fuck, words. <laughs> Just just fuck us. Fuck us on we're Twitter <laughs> is basically what you said. <laughs> you were right there. Uh, just come on Twitter and fuck us. <laughs> fuck us up. This is, this is consent. Up. This is a verbal consent. Um, oh, wait. Hold on. By the way, uh, earlier I did mistakenly say old old NS1, Nerd Shrimp 1, was talking about enjoying Mystery Inc. Uh, I have misremembered that because I've just rolled up on our conversation and they just said I could go on a rant about how bad Mystery Inc. is. Oops! Oops! Hope you listen to the end for what <laughs> <laughs> Well, they got to so they can figure out what we're doing next week. Okay. Um... I want to do this one because I want to talk about what drew me into it initially and made me like it and then dunk on it for why it's shitty or why it got shitty, I guess, and then fix it. Okay. Stranger Things. Oh, fuck yeah. I could do. Yeah. Hell yeah. I am not rewatching this shit. This fucking (laughs) show. No, we're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I think season four is coming soon, ain't it? Haven't they? They announced season four. I mean, they I did, did just... but that was like before COVID, so who the fuck knows? Yeah. Oh, uh, apparently. Whoa! Uh, the curse is working in our favor. No? Oh? D- uh, today, did Netflix just leak the release date for Stranger Things Season 4? Holy shit! Oh, let's see. When, when is it? When are you going to give us this? all of this 80s? What are they going to do? Play Pong in this one? <laughs> let's do some Pong. 
Uh, looks like August 21st. So we got time. <laughs> we got time to make it better. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Yeah, and I have a lot. Of, like, it's not all bad. No. But it's about two, it's two thirds bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. But before we do that, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me rolling around in my my anti-fascist mystery machine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also uh, on Ono Lit Class, the podcast that's all about books, about books you had to read in school, and also making real good ding-dong jokes about those books. I've been doing that fucking show for four years. You'd think I'd have this nailed down, but no. 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 And I never will. And that's at onolitclass.com or wherever wherever you book podcast book. <laughs> or if, if if you want more if you want more me. If you want more me. Yeah, baby. If you want that Meg stank on your timeline. <laughs> if you want that sweet, sweet Meg stank, you can get that on Twitter at Meg underscore danger. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And you can check out all the other podcasts, including the mini adventures of Sammy Magic, which went on a slight hiatus because I may have written the best worst thing into the script and i'm trying to figure out how to make it work but you can find that and all the other podcasts at a load of pure bs.com is it is it hercule it's not her oh fuck i wish it was hercule god damn it when you write (laughs) wizard hercule into your fucking audio drama the problem is i this you know how they go to hogwarts in the car in the second book I did write that out, but then I realized that's how they get to the Whomping Willow. So I had to figure out... Spoiler alert for the next episode of Sammy Magic, which is probably already out at this point. Uh, The way they get to Hogwarts now is by sketching on the back of the Hogwarts (laughs) Express. Oh, that fucking rips. (laughs) Yeah. Right fucking Hercule. Right Hercule into the book, coward. (laughs) I'm your new teacher. (laughs) <laughs> Magic's for pussies. That, no, that'll be serious. Serious black is <laughs> I'm like your dad, but not really. <laughs> I'm your new dad, Harry. No, that oh, just fuck. becomes that just becomes a the voice I do for Bigfoot in um Cry Wilderness. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's your dad. He's in trouble. <laughs> it's me, Bigfoot. I'm warning you about your dad. We're in love. We both love you very much. You need to Shit. save your dad. Special <laughs> thanks to Best Day for their Best Day, Best Day, Best Day. Best Day does the music for this podcast. He's in danger. You got to go to SoundCloud.com slash Best Hyphen Day. That's the only way to save him. <laughs> remember to support us on patreon.com slash load of bs or pick up some fun fiction merchandise at merch.aloadofpurebs.com but most importantly just tell a friend to check out this sweet sweet fun fiction we give you every single week 
here on podcasts. And as always, you got to tell a friend. You got to say, hey, (laughs) you got to tell about fun fiction. It's they're in danger. It's Bigfoot. (laughs) Bigfoot's in the woods. (laughs) They're trying to tell you about fun fiction. (laughs) And as we end every show. Ruby Rez Rance writes. (laughs) 